They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi and welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast, the podcast that covers the video nasties. We are looking at tier 3 in season 2 and this is season 2 episode number 13. Unlucky for some but not for us because we have two interesting movies to discuss on this episode. Firstly, let me say Happy New Year to all our listeners out there. We hope you had a blast and with that in mind, let me welcome my, my friend my comrade, my joint sufferer through the pains of the tier 3 list of the video nasties, my co-host for doing the nasty, the phenomenal Mark Ball. How you doing, sir? Uh, at the moment, I'm doing pretty well. Since we recorded last has been, uh, uh, well, 2021's proven to be very interesting <laughs> so far, and uh, oh my fucking god. Just when uh, you thought 2020 was dead, 2021 comes along to raise the stakes. <laughs> Yep, this is really just 2020 part two. On steroids, man. It's, it's the fucking the sequel is uh, <laughs> it's it's ramping it up quite a bit so far already. But uh, yes, yeah, so, man, fucking super weird last month. Uh, you know, besides all the insane shit like people trying to overthrow our government violently and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, I made it back to the movie theater for the first time in a fucking year. I saw you post that. How how weird was that? Uh, it was very weird. Uh, <laughs> so I hit up our local theater because I remembered that they were probably still doing uh, basically private screenings where you could rent a theater for up to, I think, 20 people for 100 bucks. Oh, cool, man. Uh, which is really, really cheap. Oh, yeah. I think only about, fi- about five of us went. We went and saw Alien, uh, which was amazing. I'd never seen it on the big screen. Oh, wow. That's not the best way well. to watch it. Yeah, it was it was gorgeous and man, I fucking love that movie so much. Uh, but yeah, it was it was weird. We, we we did like a night show and it was playing. It, it had like a different start time than whatever the hell else. I think they were still playing like the Trolls movie from last summer and stuff. <laughs> there was like nothing, almost nothing playing at the theater. But there were there were still some people there. Like when we got there, because there was a bunch of cars out in the parking lot, but. By the time Alien was over, like about ten thirty, the part there's nobody in the parking mm-hmm. lot, and there's only like one girl working the counter. She seemed really bored, but also really stressed out. Uh, probably because I mean, I, I bet they're running at a skeleton crew and probably having to do double duty, yeah. like cleaning theaters and running concessions and tickets, tickets and all that stuff. But yeah, almost nobody there. So I I felt relatively safe going in there with like my girlfriend and three of my friends. And yeah, we sat down and watched alien and it was beautiful. I miss the theater so goddamn much. (laughs) The theater, my theaters are playing the thing right now. So we're trying to get another screening of that going. Cause I've, I've seen that on the big screen once, Mm -hmm. but, uh, even though it was in an Alamo draft house where they're supposed to throw you out for talking, I sat next to a bunch of people that talked through the yeah. whole fucking thing. No, so so my only 
only theater experience with the thing so far was not a great one, so I'm looking forward to doing that again. But yeah, that's about the only way you're going to get my ass in a theater right now is if I drop the hundred dollars and rent the whole goddamn thing and i don't have to sit next to anybody that i don't want to I would, like when you like when you were posting it in our, our chat about this uh i just imagine you like sam neil at the end of in the mouse of madness just sitting cackling to yourself in the cinema <laughs> marks in there himself uh no yeah. like um yeah cinemas are still closed in the uk with no signs of them Reopening, although the indies have started doing something kind of cool, they're basically they've kind of created digital platforms you can rent movies from, which is pretty cool. So that's how I'll be doing Fright Fest Glasgow this year. Um, in in March is uh, you know sitting on my arse in my, my my home cinema watching the movies, and it won't quite be the same. But we're trying to uh, do like a like a like a group Zoom like call thing for like kind of pre and post the movies so uh, we kind of have somewhat of the experience we usually have but it's not going to be the same and I think we it's going to be yeah. a while before things even out like a long time <laughs> but I, I mean we'll get there and cinemas I, I want to stress this again cinemas will not disappear the, I mean there might not be as many of them as there were before and yeah. they might come in a different Format and shape and layout and whatnot, but cinema, the cinema experience will never disappear. Um, it's you know, it's, it's with us for those that want it, and I think that's cool. And we'll wait and see, but yeah, already the news about how many movies are being delayed again. This is deja vu from last year. I think Bond's been delayed to the end of the year, A Quiet Place 2 has been delayed to the end of the year. Um, and yeah, I mean. <laughs> If I if I yeah. was if I was film companies, what I would say is, you know what, we're just putting a pin on it until we know things are safe, and then we'll give you a two month run up to it. Everyone knows there's a James Bond movie coming. I don't think we need to announce that it's coming nine months from now for people to know it's coming out. Like everyone's at home. Yeah. Like no one's going to miss that happening when you when the ad campaign starts. It just seems it seems a bit silly. Um, but we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. I've um, yeah. I've I've not I've not done much <laughs> at all. Um, I seem to have like I've landed a lot of screeners recently, um, at different movies and interviews, which has been fun. So in the time that we last spoke, uh, I interviewed uh, the directors of Wreck, which was a fucking trip. Uh, <laughs> it was like a really surreal experience. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my favorite my favorite interview um, of of. For, for a long time, I think was uh, Stephen Kostansky from Astron Six uh, about Psycho Gorman. Which, if you've not seen that yet, Mark, you need to fucking see that. That's a movie that is inbuilt to have your love. Um, it's <laughs> it's so fucking good. Imagine Power Rangers meets Giver meets Astron Six Gore Effects and Astron Six Sense of Humor, and that is what it is. It's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, so I've been sold on that one for quite a while, and yeah, it finally came out this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I've been, yeah, I'll, I'll probably do that right after I get off the call with you. <laughs> is go fucking rent th- rent that bad boy. Oh, so good, man, so good. So yeah, a bit of that, and uh, some more stuff coming through. I am sad to say, and I think this is the first formal time I'm acknowledging it. Uh, although people will hear it on the podcast under the stairs when, well, maybe in the next week or so, uh, the new Neil Marshall movie fucking sucks. Oh no! It is borderline 
terrible. Like, actually, oh, no. was like taken aback by how poor it actually is for a guy who has like a lineage of movies which I consider as some of the best in the decades were released. In fact, when we did podcasts on yeah. the summer series, Descent almost won the decade. Yeah. Yup. Yep. It was close. Yeah, and then um, the back the backlash I got for not putting through dog soldiers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like with people like this is just fucking great. You know, so to sit down and watch this and go what happened here? Uh, you, uh, I, I would not rush out and check it out, but if you do, you will see what I mean. Um, is it about the plague or something? It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it? no, it's, it's, there's a plague event happening, but it's happening during the time of uh, Matthew Hopkins and the witch trials. Um, so mm. it's, it's kind of like it's like a really shitty witchfinder general, like a really shitty, <laughs> like a really shitty witchfinder general with overtones of Satan and some some of the plague with a central woman character who's been accused of witchcraft who I mean is brutalised yet so shows no signs of being brutalised and is always an immaculate like 2020 makeup like she looks like she's been <laughs> like regardless what happens to her every time she walks like on the screen it's like a, like a Maybelline ad I, I honestly don't right. fucking get like Sephora has sponsored her appearance Um it is just it's not and the dialogue is bad and yeah I, I, I mean and the thing is I've been pushing for a Neil Marshall interview uh, and I d- <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that falls through now I really don't because that like because we we're, we're, uh, I did a screening of it for the guys uh, that, that do the pods with me and stuff and uh, we were watching it and at the end we were like what are you going to say to him and I was like I'm just going to talk about the descent <laughs> yep, no, there's definitely a way to do that. Yeah, you talk about his older movies through the majority of the yeah, I've only got twenty minutes. And you let him yeah. talk about his, you let him talk about his new one at the very end, and you just don't bring up how you feel yeah, about it. Yeah, you know, like avoid it. But I also have to put a, a review in on that episode, which will be like, oh, oh it's been fuck. so great talking to you. And then after the break, well, this piece of shit. Um, so here's why this movie sucks. <laughs> so that's that's a uh, that's been my time off. Um, I'm very excited about this one because, as we said, rolling in um, to the end of last year, um, the movies have been slowly getting better. <laughs> We've had a few a few bangers here lately, and a couple a couple happy surprises. Uh, yeah, definitely one of the movies on here. I think we both absolutely adore. Oh, yes. And we'll find out what the other one's like when we get to yeah. I've got things to say. I've got things to say, Mark Ball. Both of them from the year I was born, 1981. So um, on this episode, we'll be covering the the, the slasher, because it is kind of a slasher, Strange Behaviour, um, yeah. a.k.a. I think it's Dead Children or Deadly Children. Dead dead Kids. Dead Kids. There you go. It's, it's that's, exactly. what, that's what the version I watched said, was Dead Kids. Uh, I'm just gonna, that's, that's a nasty title for sure. Yeah, there's only one dead kid in this fucking movie as well, which, I mean, that throws up question marks. Yeah, the other one that dies is considerably old. <laughs> okay. yeah. A dead adult. Um, and Dead grandma. <laughs> Uh, and the other one is this little movie called Scanners by this, I, I, I mean, one and done director called David Cronenberg. <laughs> you may have heard of him. <laughs> you may have heard. Only, only hardcore horror fans know of David Cronenberg. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about that as well. Um, 
yeah, I think we just do this, man. I'm I'm keen to get into both of these have really interesting talking points and weirdly are both sci-fi horror movies to an extent, some more than others. I know. Um, so yeah, let's 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 double dip here. Uh, we're gonna take a short break. You're gonna hear from those folks on my documentary uh, who will talk a little bit about the movie and why they think it was suppressed for our first movie, which is Strange Behaviour. Uh, you'll then hear the trailer and we will be back to discuss that movie right after this. Bizarre experiments turn teens into killers in dead kids. Here's the cover of Michael Laughlin's debut feature, which, had it sported the name of its original title, Strange Behaviour, would not have had any of the attention that it got from the police as a possible video nasty. It's called Strange Behaviour mainly because it was part of a trilogy. I mean, Michael Laughlin did do Strange Invaders, the second part, but he never actually got round to the third part, which was going to be called The Adventures of Philip Strange. I actually went to New York and tracked Michael Laughlin down because I loved the movie so much. And I was amazed to find out that he'd actually been the producer of The Whisperers, Joanna and Tulane Blacktop. I mean, three other major cult films. His love of 50s sci-fi and horror was the reason why he wanted to make this movie. It was written, of course, by Bill Condon, another massive fan. Bill Condon, of course, went on to do Gods and Monsters and Dreamgirls, the musical. Back then, both were sort of like 50s horror and sci-fi fanatics who got together to do something in that idiom. The film was produced in 1981 in New Zealand, which actually makes it the very first New Zealand exploitation movie, uh, produced by Anthony Ginnane, of course, an exploitation uh, head honcho. The ending surprised a lot of people because it's actually not a shock twist. It actually ends very happily with a wedding, but Laughlin told me that was the original purpose of it, was because He'd seen so many movies with shock twists. He actually wanted to do something that was quite lightweight and, and, and normal, and he thought that was a twist ending in itself. Why this is quite important in the scheme of things is because you'll notice that Fiona Lewis sports a hairdo, and Ridley Scott was such a fan of this movie that he made sure that Sean Young had the same hairdo in Blade Runner. Also, Susanna Moore who is Michael Laughlin's wife, was not only the production designer, she was the waitress that you see in the movie. Horror fans will notice that the mask the killer wears is based on Tor Johnson's from Plan 9 from Outer Space. But what you probably didn't know is that the role of Dr. Sangel was originally down for Klaus Kinski. But Kinski wanted too much money, and so Arthur Dignam did it instead. And not only did Dead Kids become strange behaviour, it also became Small Town Massacre, that was the title it had on its video re-release in 1986 in a proper certificated version. Here, in the peaceful Midwestern town of Galesburg, nothing much ever happens. Morning, Mr. McNally. The kids go to an ordinary college. However, this is an ordinary professor. He's dead. And they help science with a few harmless experiments. Two sessions, two days, a hundred bucks a day. You always welcome the chance for new blood. You killed little rabbits back there. I tell you, it was different parts of different bodies in different rooms. One nurse, you couldn't find all the parts. Had to make up kind of a composite of bits and pieces missing from all the other bodies. John, do you want me to call Donovan? Do you want me to call the state police? Do you want me to call anybody? Pete, stop the car. Just pull over. 
and find out who did this, I swear to God. With this little pill, the world will be yours for the next few days. You're a little high. Am I supposed to feel a little high? She's dead. And he's dead. And the dead don't come back and take revenge. Oh, Where's Mr. Brady? Get him. They dyed his hair, then they scraped it off. They fed him till he couldn't move, and they starved him. They cut him open twice, once to take out a pancreas, once to take out a lung. They even refrigerated him once. Would you like to order now? I, I'll have the liver, please. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'd, I'd like to know a little more about what's going on before you start. This is a very, very exciting experiment. What did they do to you up there? What are those needles for? What are you sticking me with? She said it was like she was drowning. We invite you to come with us on a terrifying experiment. Help! Somebody! Help! It started all over again. An experiment with dead kids. But very strange looking people at this party. I'm not wearing any underwear. <laughs> They'll scare the living daylights out of you. Fiona Lewis, Michael Murphy, Louise Fletcher, and Dan Shore. Dead Kids. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Strange Behaviour. This movie came out in 19... 81. It's directed by Michael Laughlin, uh, written by Bill Condon and Michael Laughlin. Um, this is apparently originally, uh, it was supposed to be a trilogy. So you got Strange Behaviour, then Strange Intru uh, Strange Invasion or Strange Intruder, I'm trying to remember, which was the mid... Uh, oh, it's here, Strange Invaders, uh, which came out two years later. And um, neither one of them did particularly well, so guess what? You never got any after that, so you would have thought if you were in two into a series, you just make them do the third one. Although I think they're not actually even related. I think they're homages to 50 sci-fi horror. Um, the movie itself stars Michael Murphy, Louise Fletcher, Dan Shore, Fiona Lewis, Arthur Dignam, Dee Young, Mark McClure, Scott Brady, Charles Lane, Elizabeth Cheshire. Uh, and some other folks are in here, including Bill Condon, what? the writer himself. Bunch of odd Aussies and New Zealanders. Yeah, well, this is a new. This is like typically credited as being the first New Zealand horror movie, like to get like proper international status. So this predates your, you know, Peter Jacksons and and, and such. Um, but this is credited as the movie that brought the attention of international money to New Zealand um, and as a result it's kind of got a bit of a, a cult following because of that I, I'm sure being added to the, the tier 3 nasty list did it you know wonders in that respect as well the synopsis is a scientist is experimenting with teenagers and turning them into murderers which is 100% spot on however if I am reading that you've spoiled the second half of this movie yeah 
the way to go, I went into this thing totally fucking cold, which I think is the way to go. Mm-hmm. What did you make of it then? Uh, this is a weird, weird movie because yeah, I really I, for a good chunk of this, I didn't know where it was going. It starts off like very innocently and in, like kind of small town, like uh, you kind of get the idea that something is happening because uh, there's. That great first scene where the kid's home alone or whatever and his power goes out and he's sneaking around his house and then he gets stabbed, stabbed by <laughs> the shadow of somebody. And, uh, yeah, it kind of just goes from there. Kind of one of my complaints is I can't tell the kids apart in this kind of, like, definitely the, mm-hmm. there's like two or three male, like, teenager characters that all look very similar and I was kind of confused as to who was who through a little bit of this, um, but yeah, I I kind of dug this. This has got this has got some nasty bits in it for sure, uh, and yeah, kind of a weird like. Uh, it, it is kind of I don't know. It's kind of similar to Scanners, I guess, because there is a lot of stuff about like telepathy and mind control yes. type stuff going on, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, uh, definitely kid on kid violence. I think is a great way to land yourself on the video nasty list, which this has, like at least a little bit of. Um, Were you overjoyed that we had a dance number in the middle? Because this is following the trends of yeah. movies that just, for no reason at all, give you that dance number in the middle. Yeah, it feels like about eighty percent of these nasties that we've watched so far have a fucking dance number in it. This one was like mercifully short when it's about one song long. And is strangely co- like very coordinated. Like, like it, it, feel, it was like the it feels thriller like a video. Number. It was like the thriller yeah. video. They all started boom, 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 boom. Like in the yeah, middle, I, I was like, I, what I, the fuck? I, I didn't hate this. Uh, I, I got the impression that these kids had a lot of fun doing this, and yeah. like it was like a very like. Uh, uh, they got the they got to express their inner theater kid a little bit mm-hmm. more and do do a, an, a a cute little dance number in the middle of a I'd say relatively violent slasher movie like it's uh, surprisingly for 1981 yeah I mean you've got to remember the the time period that we're talking about here we are still like I mean this is this is this is almost the pinnacle release time for slasher movies I think it's, it falls somewhere between 81 and 83, it's when you get like just every, every second horror movie is a slasher, and it's yeah. interesting to see New Zealand go that way, I, I mean it feels but I, I love the fact that they've committed to that but at the same time clearly committed to their love of kind of 50s B movie um, kind of sci-fi nonsense I think I'm with you on a lot of this. That I thought there was a lot to really kind of mine out of this one and enjoy. I think its biggest problem is its pacing. This movie is an hour and 40 minutes and at times feels slow. Uh, when you're getting the killings, it's brilliant. I mean, and the killings are all like really well shot, composed. Like any one of these as a trend in a movie would be great. Like whether it's the, the guy who um, wears the weird kind of... <laughs> Like, um, I can never remember the name of the character from the 50s sci-fi. It's, it's Tor Johnson, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a, he wears that mask. Um, and him just... See, a whole movie of that would have been fucking amazing. Or the, you know, the, the crazy <laughs> crazy girl who kills a little boy and then starts chopping, 
chopping off his hands. Like, yeah, it's legit pretty unsettling. She like, fucking chases that, that old it's... woman down. And, and there's a great scene yeah. as well where she discovers the body, but there's no killer. Then she gets the phone and you can see the door start to open. And then the camera's yeah. all one shot. The camera pans over, follows the woman on the phone. And when it comes back, that door is fully wide open. And then it follows her around to sit on the bed. And you're like, is the killer under the bed? Is the killer behind the door? Where is the killer? And I loved it. Like, so there were certain bits they did that I thought were really, really, really well done. I think his biggest problem is logistically a lot of it, and this is without the sci-fi, logistically a lot of it doesn't make sense. They're in a small town, yet the local school has this massive, kind of almost university college auditorium, which just so happens to be shown this experimental hypnosis technique that to me feels like if a man could control a chicken using a video um, like NASA would have that and the CIA would have that you know what I mean it, it felt like it, I always get to a point in sci-fi where I'm like that I'm happy right spaceships cool don't even bother explaining the technology mate I am fine aliens from another world okay not a problem like you know but when you when you're like that massive like huge like auditorium with science that's proved to work and no one seems like overly interested about it that's where you lose me um, so there's there's this kind of ultimately the reveal of what is happening here in the background is maybe the least interesting thing about the movie like I know why it's there it's supposed to to show like this you know this experiment to program kids to do violence in a short period of time the violence that the kids are doing from a slasher perspective, it's really cool. I really like that aspect. Um, even the scenes of the boy in the, you know, in the experiment room being, you know, like hopped up with all the hallucinogens and the injection in the eye, all that stuff, cool. The justification and reason for it, kind of shitty. You know what I mean? It's, it's like we've got we've got this kind of high concept idea that hasn't been fully worked out, but the lowbrow horror aspect to the movie is done really really well so the bit which is your hack and slash your you know your set up for a scare all that stuff is done fucking great like to a very very good level even by 81 standards to a very 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 good level even the practical effects like the blood and all the rest really really well done and then you've got this sci-fi element kind of tagged on and that kind of feels very generic and at times you're like hugely underwritten. Like when the guy comes in and reveals himself as I am the hypnotist from the video that you saw yeah. like ages ago, it's a bit of a Scooby-Doo ending and not in the way which makes me happy for a Scooby-Doo ending. Like he takes off all those prosthetics and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Until he spoke and I was like, oh yeah, you were in that video an hour ago in this movie. <laughs> like, Yeah, I had completely forgotten who the fuck this guy even was by that point in the movie. And, like, I, I, I watched this yesterday and I already can't remember, like, what the fuck is his reasoning for doing all these experiments on kids? No reason! Like, out with the no fact reason. that he can... He's just an evil scientist with no legs. Yeah, he's... <laughs> and then there's, like, a weird love triangle that he's actually the dad of this kid that he doesn't know. Like, And it's just, like, I'm watching it going... Like, just go, yeah. like, I, I'll see, the thing is, it's a double-edged sword. The amount of times I've complained about slasher movies that have no brain at all. I'm like, what is the purpose of this? <laughs> what is the, like, the setup? So this movie gives me the purpose and gives me the setup and is dumb. And I'm like, why did we, like, <laughs> there's like, <laughs> there's there's very few that find that happy medium. But there's a huge swath. Like, I love the scoring of this movie. I think the cinematography yeah. is surprisingly good. Um, 
I'm with you. A lot of the kind of teen boy characters are completely interchangeable. Um, and it's not like expressly... Like, you're right, the first... Like, when we get the reveal of the... I think his name's Oliver, the killer that kills the guy at the car. I'm like, oh, right, yeah. so we revealed him as a killer. That feels kind of bold. And then I'm like, well, why did he kill the other guy? And then he clearly didn't kill the other guy. And then he doesn't kill the next person. That's a girl who I didn't recognise at all. I think she no, might have been... No, no idea who the hell she was. I, I, I thought that she might have been one of the... When they're walking in the the kind of experimentation chamber room thing and there's camera shots inside all the rooms I thought she might be one of the girls here but if she is they don't explain any of it um so you- which actually I'm kind of cool if yeah. it's totally it's random and it catches you like that's how you do a fucking red herring is like you make it like not obviously a red herring kind of he's like oh well what the fuck I don't know but this kid at the end and then like you have to suspend like the ending is dumb but I can kind of get behind it a little bit you know the ending is totally you know it's the you know the the, the guy the guy dies because he finds out you know the the professor psychiatrist guy his Machiavellian scheme to, to control these kids for one murder at a time which makes no sense um, is stabbed by you know this kid who he thinks is going to exact a revenge that he wants over the guy that he had an affair with his wife. This is it's like proper soap opera yeah. shit. Um, but it turns out he's actually the real dad. Um, how this kid knew that is beyond me. It's not really set up all that well, and hypnosis doesn't solve that uh, unless he can unless he can like hypnotize himself back to being a sperm in the nutsack of this professor. It's unlikely he would know he came from there. Um, and this kid like slashes his veins right down the middle, like full down the middle. Um, yeah, that was a fucking kind of gnarly scene. Yeah, but like no adverse reaction to it, and they don't bleed that much. Um, and at the end, like he, like he's there at his dad's wedding, and we're happily ever after, and it's just <laughs> you know what I mean. And, and like, and he he spent so much time talking about how I don't know how happy he was for his dad. Obviously, a play of the reveal that he wasn't his dad is something that he would forget because of the medication, and they've decided just to go along with it. And I'm like, right? And it's weird yeah. because, like I say, the crux of the slasher component in this movie is done really fucking well. The sci-fi component is done very haphazardly. Like I say, some elements work really, really well. Other elements, not so much. So I was kind of left. I mean, I liked it. I I would go as far as to say I would watch Strange Behaviour again. I would own Strange Behaviour because there was a ton in it that I thought, you know, this is pretty cool. I really like it. But it's it's just too long. And I think you kind of take a lot of those motives and kind of mustachio twiddling sci-fi scenes and you could have a taut nice little slasher thriller here that doesn't have that the thing is it probably would have brought it probably would have knocked it up onto the tier 2 list as well I think some of these goofier sci-fi elements are probably what lessened it in the eyes of the censors yeah. Um, yeah it was a, it was a wholly weird watching experience for me like I say I did like it but I, I, yeah, I didn't love it yeah, I think it's like about eighty to ninety percent a good yep. movie, and then the last like bit of it is where it kind of shits the bed. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I dug it. Yeah, like I said, except for that goofy fucking ending that they kind of bungled. I definitely got super excited when I saw Tangerine Dream had done 
the score, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to, because really I think they only have like about three or four pieces of music yeah. on this, and then there's a little bit of pop music in the middle for our dance number, and um, but yeah, the, the parts that Tangerine Dream did clear, obviously did the music for, her, and this is pretty good. I mean, I don't think they've ever done like a score where I'm like, that's shit. Yeah, no, uh, they, they tend to be pretty good. No, also, the thing is, like a Tangerine Dream three track score could be an hour and 40 minutes if they wanted to be. You know what I mean? That's true. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we will score your whole film. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 well, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there's like about uh, 85 to 90% of a really good slasher movie here kind of dumbed down and watered down a little bit by 10% kind of mm, I know what they're going for I know exactly what they're going for I understand the, the thought process behind it I understand the motives behind it I understand that you know we grew up watching these 50s movies um, and we want a bit of that in here like movies like The Tingler and stuff I, I get that to an extent you know this kind of weird nonsense science um, I love those elements but it, it kind of feels like if you're gonna do that, it's very much like how I say if you watch like remakes in the 80s of 50s and 60s sci-fi movies like The Blob or The Fly or The Thing, what you do is you modernise those elements and it doesn't feel like they modernised any element here, it still feels like the kind of bullshit 50s look at sci-fi, like the, the future and science. Um, like that's been not even updated it's just been two paid directly into here uh, and as a result of that it's just like uh, um, but for the most part like I say I dug it I, I'm with you some of the kills are surprisingly vicious um, the dude at the car that gets like multiple stabbed is I mean the camera doesn't shy away from it the boy in the bathtub do, it doesn't shy away from it when we are carving up veins the camera's on that special effect and it works really really well Maybe a little less blood than you would expect, but it works surprisingly well. So it, it has its it has its heart in the right place, and when it wants to do the slasher stuff, it does it really, really well. It's just kind of maybe let down a little bit. Um, anything else you want to say about this one before we assign it a, a doing the nasty grade? I think that's about it. Yeah, I was really surprised. Uh, there was a lot, of, a lot to like here. I, I just, yeah, I kind of wish it. Uh, huddled up at the end a little bit better um yeah as far as grading on this guy uh i, I guess we're in a new year so explain how the grading works i yeah. guess <laughs> yeah for those that are listening for the first time we have a unique grading system over here uh, basically what we try and do is we try and port ourselves back to sensors of the time and as a result we hand out different gradings based on the severity of the crime uh, if this was a severe movie, as in one that is genuinely traumatising, then we would assign it some hard time. If it's a movie that is kind of, you know, borderline, there's some nasty nasty violence in here that I imagine censors would get a bit upset about, then it is doing some community service. If it is a movie that is, I mean, it's harmless for the most part, with a couple of little steps into gnarliness, then it's going to get, you know, a slap on the wrists. Uh, and if it's a movie that is not egregious in any way, shape, or form, is he case dismissed? Uh, what are you going to give Strange Behaviour? Uh, this is a real, real light slap on the wrist to me. Uh, even then, like, I mean, even, for the time, I bet this was, like, fairly nasty. And, like, now nowadays, I was like, oh, this is actually, like, surprisingly bloody and, mm-hmm. like, has has some gnarlier bits. But even then, like, everything about this movie has kind of, like, all just... 
you know, a lot of old school trickery, like the hand in the bathtub, like, you know, obviously it's just somebody that they cut, cut the a hole in the, or in the sink, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's old magic tricks, basically, all of it, and they, they, they just got a little carried away mm-hmm. with the red stuff, and it's not the shitty 3M blood, it's like probably somebody stole Tom Savini or uh, Dick Smith's good blood recipe, and uh, did it did it right so yeah I mean even then this is this is pretty this is pretty tame this is a pretty late slap on the wrist in my book yeah I'm coming in with you as well I think like some of the violence is probably what edges it just slightly into slapping the wrist territory but the rest is fairly fairly tame and, and banal so yeah I think that feels right uh, for there that was Strange Behaviour from 1981. Uh, we're about to gear ourselves up to talk about... Um, I think this might be the... Is this the only Cronenberg on this? Because that feels weird if it is. I think maybe Rabbit shows up. I don't know if it does an R list, though. Yeah. Okay. Rabbit does, yeah. Rabbit's on here. I'm wondering if... Like, once again, it feels strange that Slither wouldn't appear on here. <laughs> like, uh, like, Slither's the one that's all about fucking... <laughs> Like <laughs> and it feels like it. It should be on it. Rabbit is definitely on the list. So the first of you know our, our David Cronenberg movies that we'll be discussing. And boy, we're we kicking it off in style. A movie which is surprisingly shorter. No, sorry, slightly longer by a couple of minutes um, than Strange Behavior, yeah. but packs so much more in. <laughs> so much more science. So much all the science. Um, I like to call that pseudoscience. Uh, we are going to take a short break. You're going to hear from those folks chatting about the movie again. You're going to hear the trailer for it. And when we return, myself and Mark Ball discussing some scanners right after this. Scanners, uh, a film that I think we all love. It comes from that period where David Cronenberg was graduating out of really sort of gruesome, exploitative horror pictures slightly more mainstream it's a film that's got its exploding heads but it's also got conventional action sequences and some quite good science fiction sort of mind-stretching ideas and you can see that Cronenberg of all the filmmakers who came out of horror in the 70s is the one who wanted to do the most he had he was probably the cleverest um, he may not have been instinctively the best filmmaker, but he was always a solid filmmaker. He could turn around and make Fast Company if he had to. Scanners of all Cronenberg's films is the one that became a franchise. There were four sequels. There was a Scanners 2 and a Scanners 3 and two Scanner Cop films. There was talk of a TV series that never happened. I'm actually surprised that it's not been remade because it's the kind of thing... Because it, anything that had four sequels is well known enough to be, you know, remakeable. And it's a good premise. There's stuff there that's still kind of cool. I mean, I suppose it's a bit pre-Matrixy or X-Men-y in its idea of, you know, te- telekinetic supermen live among us uh, and they're feuding. Um, but, and I see bits of it pop up in so many things. that The TV show Heroes seems to me to owe a big debt to Scanners. It's also just a film I like, I think. I mean, it, it's... It's not a downer in a way that a lot of horror was then. I mean, it has a, it has a sort of transcendent ending. Um, it has Michael Ironside. In, uh, and, and this was the first time we noticed Michael Ironside. And it got him a career. You know, if he's um, playing bad guys now, it's because he was in Scanners. And actually, you know, he is great in it. Um, I'm not so sure about Stephen Lack, the, the, the leading guy, who 
is a bit all over the place, but it's a kind of difficult role. And Patrick McGowan, who'd been a bit AWOL since The Prisoner, sort of came back and I think is really strong in it as well. It has lots of, you know, great confrontational, bizarre, strange dialogue scenes. And then we're back to the exploding heads. Um, it's got great exploding head make. I assume the reason that it's on this list is the exploding head. And that is one of those key moments. I had a great deal of criticism for uh, all those campaigners who just took the bits out of context from films and spliced them together um, to, to show how appalling horror movies were these days. But that one scene in Scanners uh, is still, for me, the best exploding head that has ever appeared in the cinema. Uh, I vividly remember the reaction the first time and I remember going to see the, see the film a second time a week later, uh, almost just to see what the exploding head, how the exploding head would play. Um, and it was in an era when films were built around special effects set pieces, an era of The Howling or American Werewolf, where one good effect was enough that you would come out of it. Now, yeah, you come out of a film and you've seen, yeah, two and a half solid hours of special effects and, and shrug. But then, you know, one good shock was enough. I would like to scan all of you in this room one at a time. I must remind you that the scanning experience is usually a painful one, sometimes resulting in Nosebleeds, earaches, stomach cramps, nausea, sometimes other symptoms of a similar nature. At this point, I'd like to call for volunteers. Fine. Just uh, sit right here, please. Welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Scanners. This came out in 1981, got an X rating, so that's how you know it's the good shit. Uh, this is written and directed by David Cronenberg. It stars Jennifer O'Neill, Stephen Lack, 
Patrick McGugan, Lawrence Dane, Michael Ironside, Robert E. Silverman, Lee Brooker, Maver Moore, Adam Ludwig, Murray Crunchley, uh, Fred Crunchley. Crunchley, that's his name. Crunchley. Sounds like a potato chip. Mmm, delicious. Uh, and other four. I'm glad that you stopped me there because there's names I can't pronounce beyond that point. A bunch of Canadians. Bunch of Canadians. Um, yeah, so the synopsis for this one on IMDb is a scientist sends a man with extraordinary psychic powers to hunt others like him, which is kind of the truth. That's kind of what happens. It's not really doing the movie that much service. Um, I, like... Mark knows this. For people that are listening to the Nasty series for the first time through, or even those that have never listened to podcasts under the stairs but only doing the Nasty, I'm a huge David Cronenberg fan. I, I rank David Cronenberg up in my top five directors of all time. Um, I think he is, like, just borderline genius, edgy, ahead of his time. All these movies, yes, it's all about body horror and all the rest, but there's always some sort of, like, political or societal subtext in all these movies Scanner's no exception to that as that at all and there's something always about his movies that just like you just with the previous movie Strange Behaviour I'm like oh oh hypnotism and chickens with helmets hmm interesting you know what I mean <laughs> like I, I, you know like and I'm kind of like my, I'm, I'm drawing a kind of quizzical look at the screen when I'm watching it Scanner's like from the moment it starts I'm in that world and I think Cronenberg is great at doing that he just he throws you into implausible futuristic dystopian environments and you just roll with it you're just like yeah of course this exists of course this machine does this that makes total sense yep um, so I hadn't seen Scanners in a few years I did a, a massive round table on my other podcast where we went through all the Cronenberg movies and it was a fascinating discussion and I remember talking about like Scanners as being at the time one of these movies which people really only know for the one scene and I think a lot of people think that's the end of the movie and it happens right at the fucking start it's like the first 15 minutes about 13 minutes into the movie yeah you get like maybe the greatest head explosion Um, I mean this movie's out what the same year as Maniac so you've got that like that that must that must be a great year for head explosions. Um, <laughs> so many head explosions. <laughs> they should, I hope uh, the Oscars the montage to special effects head explosions. Uh, here, here are the dummy heads we lost this year. Da, 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 like, just, like fucking heads explode. Um, this is like this is one of those ones where like Cronenberg doesn't. I mean, he talks about it, but he's not high on talking about this like his other movies, mostly because he had a fucking arse ache making this movie. Um, he had, like, about two weeks of pre-production to make the movie, and that was it. So he had to do rewrites every morning and, you know, tweaks to the script and all the rest. It's just the way the funding system that his movie was being kind of... Because a lot of his, mo- his early movies, anyways funded by Canadian government money it's through schemes and oh, yeah and um, so he had to make it like in a certain time frame to be able to claim like a 100% tax credit yep. on the whole thing so he had like so. two weeks pre-production on this one which I think caused him a lot of issues what doubled down on that was his what was considered at the time controversial choice of hiring Stephen Lack as Cameron Vale our main protagonist in the movie um, 
like the the, the studio and uh, the involvement of the the financiers did not like him at all. They didn't like his voice, uh, which is if you watch this movie, you will note very quickly that Cameron Vale as a character is overdubbed. Um, he's actually overdubbed with his own voice, like so. Stephen Lack actually overdubbed himself again, and that was Cronenberg's. Um, that was his compromise because he didn't like the dailies that were coming out with his, his, his acting and his voice. So, yeah. but Cronenberg was adamant that he didn't want him overdubbed with another actor. So they had to get him into a studio and basically do the old overdub. And it's obvious that he's overdubbed, like very much so. Not that it's out of sequence, but the sound design is very different from when he talks which I mean you can kind of get away with because he's a scanner so maybe we can just say that's how he talks but it kind of feels a bit uh, um, this is the Michael Ironside show though from front to back he's fucking incredible in this movie like absolutely incredible in this movie like every scene with him in it he is 100% a badass Um, whether it's him going under the guise of, you know, like a participant in a scanner's experiment, which is that 13-minute mark. I suppose we should kind of maybe branch this out a little bit more. Scanners are basically telepaths um, who can not only read your mind and control your body, but given the right power, voltage, um, can kill you. Like they can, not only can they like the stronger the scanner you are, the, like, the more you can not only influence the way people act, but you can override their personality completely. Or as you see, thirteen minutes into this, make your head explode. Um, and, and Michael Ironside is, you know, he is the strongest of the scanners, uh, and is leading this resistance group, which is basically him taking over the minds of other people. So his resistance group is just him controlling folks like robots or zombies I think is the line they use in the movie um, and on the other side you have Cameron Vale who is this homeless guy who is found and picked up by this institute specific, specifically Patrick McGugan's character of Dr. Ruth who gets him to understand what a scanner is allows him to focus his powers really to be used as an agent to bring down rogue scanners specifically Michael Ironside and that's your setup for your movie so you have Cameron Vale in the Institute on one side and Michael Ironside um, on the other side with his legion of, of zombies or mind control it's very comic it's very comic booky on paper yes like, very much so <laughs> it sounds like an X it sounds like an X-Men storyline and yeah I, I, would, I totally agree with that and then you have it in the hands of Cronenberg who makes it into a body horror movie because yep. the things that, like, the struggles that happen with characters as they are... Like, the out-and-out say this, like, to be scanned is not like you've seen in everything else where it's just like, ah, he's reading my mind. In this one, like, right at the beginning, they say to be scanned will cause nausea, pain, nosebleeds, all the rest. The very, the very physical act of someone invading your mind will cause pain. And that's, your, that, that's the, the base level. So there is no kind of harmless scanning here. But what we find out in the movie throughout it is we originally think that uh, Daryl Rivick, played by Michael Ironside, his modus operandi, as perceived by Cameron Vale through Dr. Ruth, is that he's trying to bring down this institute and try to wipe out all the scanners. And, you know, like Highlander style, which is 
kind of ironic because Michael Ironside would be in Highlander 2 um, in a movie everyone that was involved with wishes they weren't. Uh, although I will say, if you've ever seen Highlander 2, Ironside is fucking amazing in it. Um, like, the movie's terrible, but Ironside, fucking gold. But you've got um, you've got that line. So you've got the line that the, the, the corporation or the government is feeding Cameron Vale. And then you've got Rivik's side of the story, which we get at the end, which is that both he and Cameron are essentially children of the experiment's of Dr. Ruth um, and you know Rivik was the first run and when Rivik couldn't be controlled anymore he basically dusted off Cameron who'd been living rough and homeless and you know there's a bit of that where you're like is that right but the you know when Ironside says at the end of this movie he's like that you know they let you sleep rough they were always following you and you you were never you were never out of their sights and you're like well is that true and then you remember back to the beginning when he scans that woman at the food court, there are agents here watching him, waiting for him to do something. Yeah. So it is kind of true, but how true it is, I don't know. But they're essentially brothers, and uh, Rivik wants Vale to join him and take down the corporation and take over the world. Um, and it leads to this massive scan battle. I, mean, I know I'm skipping through this, but we're gonna we're gonna come back in a second. It leads to this scan battle at the end which is maybe one of my up-there favourite scenes in a sci-fi horror movie ever fucking made. Like, the two of them having the mind war uh, is incredible because you like, see, like, Cameron Vale's face all start to peel and blister and pop and he's set on uh, fire. And then you see Ironside, that iconic scene of the eyes going white and the veins inflating up in his face and he's <laughs> screaming over flames and I'm like that. That is my wallpaper on my computer now. That's what's missing in that is just like a you know, big massive fucking. It feels like it should be in like a fucking Slipknot music video. Just like fucking, it's absolutely incredible. And then you get the twist at the end, which I'm revealing because it's fucking. This movie came out 40 years ago, ladies and gents. 40 years ago. Um, this is a 40-year-old sci-fi horror movie, which I've got the Criterion collection version of it. Looks incredible. Looks fucking amazing. But um, the reveal at the end is that Cameron Vale was the more powerful, and when he, you know, he trapped, uh, well, he, he let his body be destroyed and consumed, and then took over the mind of Daryl Rivick, uh, thus consuming his body and changing his eye colour apparently, because that's how that works never explained but fuck it it's Cronenberg um, I I mean to say that I love this movie is an understatement Mark uh, and it had been a few years since I saw it but I was watching it again I think at times it gets once again very much like strange behaviour it gets a little bogged down with some of the science but to be honest because it feels more realised it feels part of the world I am alright with that you know what I mean? I, I'm all right with the, the the extra time we spend walking around the facility, getting to to know what a scanner can do. You know, training up Vale as Ruth's assistant. I I, I kind of I go with that a lot easier than I do with Strange Behaviour, which is like, oh yes, the mind control chicken. But I don't know why I keep picking on the chicken. <laughs> it's unfair to pick on the chicken, right? The chicken was just doing what it was told. But um, you know, there's like both of these movies have auditorium sequences. In one, a chicken turns around to face an audience and people applaud. In another movie, a man's head explodes. You tell me which movie you want to watch. Uh, it's scanners every day of the week. Um, yeah, this movie is rough. 
Stephen Lack isn't a great actor. I can see why they were concerned when he was in the role with some of the dailies. He's a bit of a kind of... It feels a bit like a soap opera actor than an actual... And it is a shame to put him against yeah. Rivik because, like, Ironside is... I think a hero is elevated by how good the villain is in a movie, right? And Ironside played villains probably the best, like, in this decade particularly. Um, he's, like, the greatest villain. So I just felt there's something... Interestingly enough, there's something lacking about Stephen Lack for me and his performance. Oh my god! Hi, thank you, thank you, ladies and gents. Tip your ear. Um, but that's that's kind of it's kind of how I felt. Um, but the whole kind of cloak and shadows, government control, you know, field experiment, all that stuff, I really like. And the effects in this movie are fucking great. The bubbling of veins under the skin because it's all done practically. It holds up, man. It really, really holds up. You'd said you hadn't seen it in a while. What was Scanners like coming back in 2021? Uh, I've forgotten how much I love this fucking movie. There, there's so, so much to love about this thing. Uh, and yeah, weirdly, like even though this is a few minutes longer than Strange Behavior, I, uh, Scanners goes by like a fucking breeze to me. I mean, it does have a few parts in the middle where yeah, it, it slows down a little bit. We get a little bit more story and meet a bunch of characters that are uh, some of them kind of interchangeable and like you know, obviously we've got like our main characters, but like some of the other like especially Scanner characters that they kind of try to introduce are fairly in, inconsequential, but. Um, I, yeah, man, I, I, I adore this movie. I definitely forgot how much I like the score and how much heavy lifting the score does for the things that we're seeing on screen mm-hmm. because, like, the, the telepathic battles, there's really not a whole lot of... I mean, until the very end, like, where you can see, like, their skin basically starting to explode and shit, uh, there's not a whole lot of visual aid, like, as far as what is happening during the scan. Like, I bet if you watch this movie without the music, those scenes would seem really goofy and stupid. Like, they're, it's, it's... We've got Howard Shore doing like, the score here. And Howard Shore yeah. worked on pretty... He's worked on pretty much every Cronenberg movie. And that, to me, blows my mind because none of the scores in Cronenberg movies sound the same. You know, he's, he's really transferable and it's really malleable. And I'm with you on this one. The score is half of the reason these scenes work. Because it's, it's goofy, let's be honest. If we take, like, it's like one one person's staring at another person and that person's staring at them and then someone's putting their hand up to their mouth because they're shocked about what's happening and then there's a bit of head shaking and then someone flies backwards. It's kind of fucking goofy. But the score kicks in and you're like, oh my good God, it's a, it's a war of the minds! <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, the, the music just goes in these crazy waves that like yeah it's 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 uh, it's a master class in tension building with like music basically mm-hmm. um i i really love a lot of the like set designs and like the the locations i think this was shot in like ontario or somewhere up in up in the canadas mm-hmm. and they they have a real knack for finding really weird interesting locations that look like like dystopian and yep. slightly out of, out of time kind of yeah especially in this one especially like the 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 weird house out in the woods where the artist guy is living like it's just such a weird like uh it's like a half dome half square like building that looks like it's been rotting for like decades and uh yeah it's lots of cool shit like that uh 
As far as, yeah, as far as the violence in this thing goes, which I think is definitely probably the main reason that it's on the nasty <laughs> list, I don't think there's really anything else really that, that objectionable, but it's another one of these where the violence happens really, like, the like really early in the movie, like, you get, like, a fucking, the, probably the gnarliest head explosion ever put to screen, and I, like, I, I think a lot of the censors are probably right then and there fucking, like, BAM! What's, what's weird but, about it, though, is, I mean, it's... And this is this is where my this is where my confusion pops up in a lot of this. I don't understand why that's censorable. Because it's fantastical. It's someone using the power of their mind to make someone's head explode, which isn't possible. So I yeah, understand someone true. I understand movies where you know it's This is why I have issues with zombie movies also appearing on the band list. Because zombies don't exist. So I mean what the fuck are we doing here? Um, yeah. You know, it's it's like it'd be like trying to go to court to prosecute like a ghost for scaring someone to death. You know, it, it doesn't make any <laughs> fucking sense. And in the case of this one, yes, it's a gnarly effect for sure, but it's clearly an effect, and it's clearly you know it doesn't exist in the real world. Whereas yeah. if I watch a slasher movie, yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't think it ever would, but maybe it would inspire someone to stab someone. You know what I mean? It's never going to... Like, the worst you're going to get staring at someone to try and make their head explode is dry eyes um, and, <laughs> and stares from people around you going, why is he staring at that guy so hard? Um, you know what I mean? I'd, the entire effect is only, like, 20 frames long, too. Yeah. It's, like, a split-second thing in a movie, but it's, like, done so well that, like... I. I can't help but think that like it probably freaked people out back then. So, so how does, how does this straight, right? here's yeah. the question. How does you're, you're this totally right. get banned? But Indiana Jones, right? With a melting Nazi's face not get banned. That's very true. I don't I don't I genuinely this is where I get because when you strip that out, that sequence the basically what the movie bookends is those kind of scanner battles, so to speak. The stuff in the middle is an action movie. You know, it's, it's an yeah, action it's, crime movie. Yes, it's got sci-fi overtones, but it's people running around shooting people. There are hundreds of movies that came out in that time period that I think realistically... Here's my thought. Here's Duncan's two cents in this one. The 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 censor saw, uh, saw Rabid and didn't like Rabid. Put Rabid on the list and when Cronenberg releases his next movie, which I think Scanners was the movie. He made a, he made a weird racing movie in between, uh, which is a true story, by the way. He made a racing, kinda racing action movie in between uh, Rabid and um, Scanners. I think, if memory serves, Videodrome's a year after this. Um, I think so, yeah. So this is the movie he follows up Rabid with. So I think they saw Rabid, right? And I think they were like that. Right, this movie's not cool. Um, we're banning this one. And then his next movie comes out. They watch 13 minutes of it, like you say. They see a head explosion. They're like, well, this movie's going to be the same as Rabbit. Ban it. And they watch the rest of it. And that would not surprise me. And even then, I think, come on. You know what I mean? It's, there's, to me, this is the one that is the real head-scratcher uh, thus far on the list. Because, yes, Scanners has some gnarly effects. But there's nothing... This is a sci-fi movie. It's like hypothesizing straight at the beginning. So at that point, you've got to... Like, Alien isn't on the list. Yeah, I was just... I was thinking the same, same exact thing, actually. And there's something that bursts through a chest in that movie. So how's that any different than a head exploding? You know what I mean? I, I, I think... 
I think Rabid probably, and I think at the same time, a movie like Shivers, which has all the the kind of, I mean, it's a it's a movie essentially about STDs. Like, if we're being honest, yeah, uh, STD parasites. Um, I imagine Cronenberg has a reputation before the censors even start watching this, and as a result, it colours everything straight in there straight away. It's why so many, it's why so many movies were banned. Like this this movie called Axe that's on the it's on the bad bad list as in like if you had this movie and Axe is terrible it's not a good movie at all but if you had this movie um, you would be you know you'd be sent to prison you know, you'd do time for it you go up in front of a judge because uh, it's on the tier one list and Axe is purely on that list not because of any of the violence or anything in it it's purely on that list because it had the name of a power tool in it and Texas Chainsaw Massacre was already on the banned list in the UK not for the nasties, <laughs> just the generic band list. So you you see at, on the tier one, tier two, there is a slew of movies that if you have something like Driller Killer, probably didn't help itself because the video artwork was a man having a drill through his head. Probably yeah. didn't help it. But um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's a the Bloody Moon. Is it Bloody Moon? Which also has like a like a power tool on the front of it, uh, the toolbox murders, um, like all these movies. As soon as you put any like power tool utensil at all in the name or the artwork of the movie, it was banned. So it wouldn't surprise me if they come in already looking to pick a fight with Cronenberg and Scanners was just the next one to do. That's my theory. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah, I, I mean, now let me ask you the next question. Have you ever seen any of the sequels? No, I was going to ask you if any of them are worth a shit. There's, there's th- the scanners one through three, and then is scanner scanner cop, cop is okay. So that is, it is that's not just like a Bruno Matai ripoff or no, something, no, 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 right? no. Scanner like, cop is a real thing. Scanner cop and scanner cop. Uh, so scanner cop and scanner cop two, aka scanners, the showdown. Um, those are like official spinoffs. So. Weird. Very strange, like very, 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 very strange. Um, no, I I remember seeing the second one a long time ago, and none of it. Remember it being about a veteran or something, um, <laughs> like a war veteran who had scanner powers, and that is literally all I remember about that. And I've never seen any of the other ones. Plus, they came a decade after. Like Scanners Two was made in ninety one, uh... and you get you get all four of those scanner movies in four years, one a year. Which to me is like, oh no, that's not a good sign. <laughs> so, it's like what the Weinstein's did with the Hellraiser movies there for a while. Well, the Weinstein. Remember, I don't know if, if you can cast your memory back on this one, but the Weinstein's were purportedly back in like was it two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine? Uh, had Saw director Derlin Bowsman geared up and in place to make his Scanners remake, which never happened, thank God. Um, uh, but it was all set. It was all good to go. Um, and it was going to have money behind it, and you obviously get the Saw director behind it, because why? Uh, you know what I mean? I, 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 oh, because those movies are gory. Scanners isn't that gory. It really, I, I understand what you... Head explosion, get the Saw guy in, right? I, I I see... I can like Maybe there's a head explosion in Saw. I can't remember. Um, and one of those fucking movies, it probably is. But it, it just always kind of surprise me because there is once again that there is that Cronenbergian like assault on the political class in this movie kind of covert there's that a bit of that MK Ultra 
in the background of this one, this idea that a yep. government organisation is experimenting on people, and when they become, you know, when they rebel against their masters, will deploy, uh, you know, a fail-safe contingent to, you know, to take them out. So that like there is that like the government is not portrayed well in this movie, um, which I once again that's the Cronenberg thing. Yes, you can look at this on the purely superficial level. Now it's about telepaths killing each other and gnarly effects, but there is a message behind it. Um, and yeah, I think in a lesser hands this is a cheesy X-Men script but in the hands of Cronenberg in the hands of Howard Shore doing the you know the score the cinematography even the acting which at times is like I say I don't think Stephen Lack is particularly great in this movie but everything else like when you're like uh, McGugan as Doctor Ruth is brilliant. Um, Ironside, like I said before, is is so fucking good. Is like so ridiculously good in this movie. It's it's kind of scary. Um, it's a, to me, it's a brilliant movie, and once again, cements like Cronen- Cronenberg's run in the genre is Shivers, Rabbit, um, Scanners, Videodrome, um, The Dead Zone. The Fly. <laughs> this is these are back to back films, by the way, and then yep. Dead Ringers, then Naked Lunch, then Crash, then what? A Existence. Yeah, I think so. I mean, come on, what? Point the bad movie out there. <laughs> <laughs> not in that run. There's not one. I haven't so, seen the racing movie that you're talking about before that he made before this. <laughs> yeah, he made it like some weird. It's like, well, there's something about like 1979 where directors went a bit goofy. Like that's when John Carpenter did like that Elvis movie. Um, it's like I'm, I'm making an Elvis biopic and I'm putting fucking Kurt Russell in it. Kurt Russell is my Elvis. Uh, there's just something about that year where horror directors were like, well, although like, the new breed, I can kind of see it as well. Why like the new breed of horror directors would be like, well, I don't want to be pigeonholed as a horror director. Let me do something else. Argento did the same. Like Argento did the the um, the the animal trilogy. So he did uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Cat and Nine Tails, and Four Flies in Grey Velvet, and then made Five Nights in Milan, a, a drama comedy. Which fucking bombed, and then he, <laughs> and then he come back with Deep Red and Suspiria, so fucking suck it, uh, you know. It's like there's a time period where I think these guys want to do something else, and they need to be reminded not to do something else. Um, and the thing is, Cronenberg in the long run, Cronenberg is the one out of all those directors has probably moved the furthest away from the genre. Like specifically, if you watch a movie like *Eastern Promises*, *A History of Violence*, it did that Freud movie, which is actually fucking great. It did *Cosmopolis*, um, which I know a lot of people didn't like, but I really liked. Uh, and *Maps to the Stars* was his last movie that he made, um, which has weird kind of lynching overtones, and it's certainly not a horror movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's more a kind of thriller. But he he moved, and even *Crash*. *Crash* is not a horror movie. Um, which I watched recently, actually. Uh, Arrow put out a 4K um, of it, and I think Criterion have just announced their 4K. And I sat down, and I hadn't seen that movie in ages. And I, I rem- <laughs> the weird thing about that one is, I was like, that it, you know, it feels like Cronenberg, but I mean, it's maybe not as gnarly. And then I see a man like fuck a leg wound, and I'm like, yep, Cronenberg, <laughs> that is a vagina <laughs> on the back is. of that leg. <laughs> 
There's a lot of fuckery with the ratings on that one in America where they refused to release it without uh, an NC-17, which was, yeah, what came after the X rating. Almost got banned out right in the UK. Almost got banned out right in the UK. They didn't want, like, there was a a hatchet piece done by the same people that had been behind a lot of the issues on the nasty list to have the movie banned. And it went before the censors, and the censors looked at it objectively and came back and said, no, this is fine. So different time yeah. had that had, had Crash come out in like 86 definitely banned in fact it came out in 96 totally fine so it's, it's yeah. weird <laughs> I don't know man yeah. Cronenberg Cronenberg dude he's, he's, he's fucking legit he's absolutely legit and then in between all that he's at my, one of my favourite horror villains of all time and Nightbreed like one of the greatest villains and then you know for shits and giggles appears in Jason X uh-huh. For no reason at all other than shot in Canada, and I love that movie because of it. Um, yeah, I, I, let's talk Scanners here about grades. I, I'll kick us in. Scanners to me is, is a case dismissed. I know that might surprise some people. It has a couple of gnarly effects for sure, but it's grounded in sci-fi, which instantly takes the threat out for me. Um, and everything else plays out very much like like a standard kind of you know, government conspiracy sci-fi movie. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing in here that says, censor me, like, at all. So it's a case dismissed. I don't think, like, strange behaviour, I see people out and out fucking stabbing and chopping limbs off. In this movie, I see people staring at each other really hard uh, until one of their heads explodes or they melt. Um, So yeah, case dismissed for me. What about you? Where are you coming in with Scanners? I'm, I'm tempted to say the same thing. I'm, another movie I was thinking about that has, I think, a pretty equal amount of violence to this that came out, I think, with no problem, is Terminator. In fact, I would almost call Terminator a more violent movie than this, and it came out. I don't think, I don't, it's not on the banned list. It came out with an R nope. rating. Scanners mm-hmm. is totally an R rated, like, action horror sci fi movie. So, yeah, I don't, this, this doesn't belong on the list. This belongs in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just didn't like there must have been a time period where like the, the Canadian government were financing Cronenberg movies just going that oh no is he going to do another fuck slug movie or is it going to be <laughs> you know people like eating dead bodies or no he's making a movie called Scanners well that seems harmless and then they watch like the first 13 minutes and they're like oh fuck oh, Jesus fuck. Christ what have we done <laughs> Love it. Love every second of it. Right, we're going to take our final break, ladies and gents. When we come back, we will be uh, we will be telling you where we're going next week and by... Well, I say next week. Next month. Uh, and by God, are we bringing the fucking thunder next month. Totally excited about this. Uh, but you're going to hear promos for shows that we love. We'll be back to close out the show right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. And welcome back. So you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Season 2 of... Season 2? Yeah, that's right. Season 2, episode number 13? 13. 
Thank you. See, I, I was all cocky at the start of the show. I was like, yeah, episode number 15, motherfuckers. Um, and then and then at the end, I'm like, that line. Because uh, <laughs> I like, totally forgot. Uh, yeah, so episode number 13, we've covered the movies uh, Strange Behaviour and Scanners. But I know what you're thinking, Mark. You're thinking to yourself, Duncan, where are we going next month? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. And this is going to make you say because one of these movies I happen to know is one of your favourite horror movies of all time yes that's right ladies and gents it's time to dust off a little bit of Georgie Romero and tackle some Dawn of the Dead that's Yay. right <laughs> heavy fucking hitter season continues on as we're just we're, this is the joy of this list is every now and again you get a bona fide fucking treasure um, so yeah Georgie Romero's 1978 classic I have a little 4K UHD box set version of this that just come out that I've been sitting on, waiting to open, uh, just in time to do this one. The second movie that's been paired up with is one I have never seen before, but by God am I wanting to see it. It's a movie called Shogun Assassin from 1980. Oh, um, fuck yeah. So yeah, this one is directed by Robert Houston and Kenji Misumi. Uh, I have never seen this, but I, the synopsis has me in hardcore it says when the wife of the shogun's decapitator is murdered and he's ordered to commit suicide by a paranoid shogun he and his four-year-old son escape and become assassins for hire embarking on a journey of blood and violent death sign me up <laughs> give me this movie um yeah i i can't i can't this could be potentially like a week where we're just like the the deep red prowler episode where we're just like yay <laughs> like everything Two is good awesome. movies finally so have you seen have you seen shogun assassin or is this one that you know by reputation uh i've not seen the cut that is shogun assassin but my understanding is it's basically a super cut of the first two lone wolf and cub movies which i have seen oh really those, yeah those are those are on criterion channel there's like yep. eight of them I think, i've got the that, box I'm, set yeah i've got the criterion box set so i've never opened it because i buy things and don't watch them mark I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure like if the like how it's different like it's uh, I say it's a super cut but I think like some of the music is different in Shogun Assassin and it's just it's made more for an American audience and was like a pretty big deal back then so I mean I might have to it's it's unfortunately not on YouTube I imagine the whoever owns the rights to that's probably blocked Criterion kind of, will be but, all over that if they put out a box set. But yeah, you, you can get a seven-day free trial at Criterion, I'm pretty sure, and uh, check out the Lone Wolf and Cub movies, because they're fucking amazing. I haven't seen all of them, but I, I think I've seen the first three of them. Uh, but yeah, that's exciting. And I don't have the that fancy pants 4K of Dawn of the Dead, but... Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I, th- I think I might go a different direction. I might, like, jump on YouTube and try and find, like, the fucking three-and-a-half-hour, like, assembly cut or, like, whatever, where somebody just, like, took all of the footage and, like, slapped it together, kind yeah. of, and it's, like, a super long cut. I might give that a shot. I mean, I'm the guy that gets hatred from all the hardcore. Like, I'm a hardcore horror fan, but I'm, I have sometimes opinions that make people upset. Um, it's like when I see like Saint Anger is the best Metallica album just to upset people um, <laughs> I mean just like you know, Invisible Kid never knew where he hid man's a fucking poet um, but, uh, I really like that Argento cut I know everyone hates it but I really like the Argento cut of, of Dawn of the Dead um, yeah. and that is the cross that I have to bear Mark 
um, which I think is also in this box set. So they've just announced second set. I've just announced a not the collector's edition, but the well, the standard edition. I don't yeah. know how much that fares for in terms of cost, but um, all I've heard is glowing reviews of the print. So I, I, I'm looking forward to opening it and checking it out for sure. Yeah. Nice. Right, Mark, that is us done our work for today. It felt good to be back in a brand new year. Same old shit. Uh, talking about another <laughs> two movies. Uh, you do things on other channels and other things. Uh, pimp your wares. Where can people check out your stuff? Uh, first of all, you should be following me on the YouTube. Some of these harder to find ones. I have had okay success finding on the YouTubes. Uh, yeah, strange behaviors up there in an immaculate quality um, version up on YouTube. Yeah, so. the, the, that one I had to re add. Yeah, it's, if you just go, it's, I have a playlist that's called Video Nasty List or something along those lines, and uh, like I'm, I'm collecting them there, sort of. Uh, they, they get taken down periodically, but I did f- manage to find a really great print of uh, Strange Behavior on there, and uh, yeah, that's a good place to follow stuff. Uh, follow me on Instagram, that's fancy underscore mark. Uh, go check out the Doing the Nasty Facebook group, it's in there. We try to do as much in there as we can but some, sometimes it's a little bit slow but uh, yeah we'd, we'd love to hear from you over there mm-hmm. uh, I think that's about it nice right you take care of yourselves out there listeners thank you very much for checking out this episode we will be back in one month's time to do Shogun Assassin and Dawn of the Dead but until then take care bye everyone They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.